How healthy will Cam Rising be for the Florida game? And how does the ACC's deal with the CW affect Utah? We're talking about it on today's Locked On Utes. You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and thank you for making Lockdown Utes your first listen every single day. We are available on all platforms, including YouTube and wherever you get may get your podcast. This is your first time joining us. Make sure you guys like and subscribe. We're actually very close to 1,100 subscribers, subscribers, so if you guys could like and subscribe, we appreciate that a lot. You can hit me up in the comments, and I try to interact with you guys as much as I can. You can follow our show on social media at Lockdown Utes or my personal handle at JT Wister. So my name is JT Wister, so former intern inside the University of Utah Athletic Department. And on today's show, as I mentioned, we're going to be talking about some camerizing health stuff also a little bit on the cw's deal that just or excuse me acc's deal with the cw and how that could have potentially affect utah and the pac-12 therefore maybe a future home for the network in general just talk about utah's broadcasting future and a little bit about a certain college football expert who spoke very glowingly on utah football but first let's start with a little bit of camerizing's health right that's been all the rage this offseason it's been what everyone wants to know and look as far as it, knowing like where it's at we've only gotten good updates i mean from cam's appearances on the bill uh, Riley show on ESPN 700 um, Porter Larson's come on this show as well as Bill Riley hasn't said, Hey, all we've heard from cam as he's relayed on the show that he is 100%. He's going to be ready for the Florida game. And on an appearance in the bill Riley show and on ESPN 700, once again, earlier this week, cam relayed those same thoughts. He said that his rehab is going well and he's still on track to play in the fort. Florida game. He said he's feeling like he's getting closer to his old self. And we've seen videos recently of Cam throwing the ball, which was, which was great to see kind of shows that progression that he's on. And it, it feels like that, I'm obviously going to believe Cam rising over, you know, random Twitter things. There was a report a while ago that said I heard Cam had a step back in his interview. Uh, not a credible source at all to whoever who I don't even remember the account that put that out now, but it was not a credible source. Cam shot it down. And all we continue to hear from Cam, who I'm still going to trust more. Like I said, it's about Cam's recovery. Now, there could be some stuff there where like, hey, Cam is saying all the right stuff right now. Right. Maybe it's not. Maybe he will end up missing the Florida game somehow or missing a game early on in the season. Right. That is a possibility that could happen. But. I'm going to trust Cam Rising as long as he continues to give us these health updates. And, you know, we'll hear from Kyle Whittingham. I'm sure he'll – Cam will be asked about it a lot of Pac-12 media days. Kyle Whittingham's going to get a couple questions as well. I'm sure he's just going to say the same thing, like, hey, Cam is continuing on the right progression, right? Even if Cam wasn't, I don't I don't know if they'd necessarily say that. But I do think the verbiage they would use would be a little different, right? I think both Cam and I think next week Coach Whittingham are going to sound very confident that Cam's going to be ready for the Florida game. And I expect Cam to be ready for the Florida game, as he articulated once again on ESPN 700. But there is a question of how healthy he's going to be. And that's something that my fellow Locked On host of Locked On, this one of Locked On Gators and Brandon Olson, said there is no shot that Cam would be in 100% for week one. Now, it's got some people go on social media. Um, first of all, I will say I, I have a lot of respect for Brandon. I think he does great work with Locked On Gators. And I think he does a great job covering that team. And we're going to be having some crossovers coming up, which uh, which should be a lot of fun because last year's game, I know it didn't turn out in Utah's favor, as all of you obviously remember, was still a really fun game to watch and cover. Just one of those memorable finishes. And uh, obviously, when we get part two this year in Rice Eccles Stadium, that's going to be really exciting. And what are we, less than 50 days away now from Utah football, which is absolutely incredible. But anyways, going back to what Brandon said, he said that there is no shot that Cam would be 100% healthy for week one. 
And honestly, I'm like, is he right? Is he wrong? Well, first of all, I'll say this. Obviously, and Brandon would say this as well. He's on the show right now, right? Like, he is not in Cam Rising's camp. He's not speaking with Cam. He doesn't know where he's at in the recovery. So what we have to go on is that. But in terms of is Cam going to be 100% for week one, honestly, there's a good chance that Brandon is right about this. And I'll say that just looking at the past history of ACL recovery and injuries, and even looking at Cam coming back from different injuries, right? Let's dive into some, first let's talk about Cam Rising's injury a little bit, and then let's also peel back some of the layers and talk about just other, other. I couldn't find the stats on college ones. I tried to look up a couple college ones, but I did find some stats on NFL quarterbacks, their first game back from the ACL injury. And we can just look at their performance based on what we're used to from them and apply that to what we will expect from Cam Rising come the Florida game on August 31st. So first let's look talk about, he said there's no shot Cam would be 100% healthy for week one, right? Like let's just, for example, Cam, so Cam rushed for 91 yards on seven carries versus Florida last year. I personally don't expect him to reach that number if when they play this coming in a couple of weeks, right? And the reason for that is, is we look at last year, right? When Cam, his four highest rushing yardage totals of the season came before he suffered that knee injury versus UCLA, or excuse me, versus USC in the middle of the season. He had the games against Florida, the one we already highlighted there, and a couple other ones throughout. And of course, the USC one was one of his best rushing performances as well. In fact, those, like I said, his four best rushing performances came before he sustained that knee injury because when you deal with an injury like that, it changes your style of play a little bit, even though Cam did come back a few weeks sooner. And actually, his fifth highest rushing total for Cam didn't come until the Rose Bowl itself when he wasn't able to finish the game, of course, because he got hurt again. But that just showed you how long it took him to get back to feeling comfortable enough to be able to scramble and run and take those kind of risks and hits like he did against a Penn State. But anyways, uh, continuing to go back and talk about this, as we said, he sustained that knee injury in that in that USC game and missed a little bit of time, right? He had to miss the Washington State game and then came back against Arizona and Stanford. And in Arizona, he had just 34 yards rushing and then against Stanford actually, or excuse me, he had negative seven yards rushing against Arizona and just 34 versus Stanford, just not the normal cam rising numbers we were used to pre the injury. And then even just for talk about his health, he didn't look right against Oregon. It was the worst game he's probably played as a Ute. And that just didn't look like the cam rising we were used to. So he was obviously hurt and hampered by it. And, you know, his mobility, you can even see, like, just watch the first drives of those games. I mean, he has slow start versus Stanford, and even against Arizona, Arizona fumbled the ball early. Utah had a short field. They weren't able to capitalize on it. That's not all Cam Rising's fault, but I'm just saying he just didn't look. It took some time for him to get going in a couple of those games, and once again, just didn't look as willing to run or as comfortable because he was not 100% because he was injured. So he was not as aggressive as a runner overall. Now, obviously, as I said, this there's very much a difference in the injuries from the knee injury he suffered to an ACL injury. And not just in terms of obviously the severity, but the amount of time, right? He suffered that knee injury against USC. He was back playing. Well, they had the bye after the USC game, but then the Washington state game. So he basically got two weeks of rest, came back for Stanford and Arizona, which were two games where he, I believe he did not finish the game. I think Utah won both those games pretty handedly, if I remember correctly. So that's where once again, um, he wasn't and those opponents. Those games were over by the time before the third quarter was over those games were over as well. So it wasn't like he was having to dive for the extra yards and fight for everything as well. By the time the fourth quarter rolled around, because for both those games, as I said, I believe he was on the sideline as well. So overall he was not as aggressive as, as a runner. And like I mentioned to you, it's a different injury and a different set of circumstances now, right? Because we're talking about that injury in which he played had kind of like a month, not a month, excuse me, like three weeks until he had to be ready to go for a game again, as he was against Arizona with this ACL injury, he'll, He's got some time, right? So if you look back January to now when he's going to be coming back to play in his first game against September, that's a larger recovery time. But of course, this is a more serious injury. So that is something that's going to matter a lot when you're talking about his recovery and just how he's going to be. And 
look, when most quarterbacks come back from these type of injuries, they're not 100% or they just don't look like themselves in the very first game. Now, and that's something in general too, right? Most college quarterbacks don't always look like themselves in the very first game they play in general. A lot of guys, it takes them a little bit of time to be and get to the best version of themselves. But especially when quarterbacks come off of injuries, it is very rare that we're like, man, that just, he's back. I mean, that looks like him. Now, I think Cam's going to have those moments in the Florida game. But I do think there's a lot of truth to what Brandon's saying in terms of he won't be 100% because I just don't expect him to rush and take some of those same risks we saw him take pre-injury. And that could be a good thing. I don't think he's going to be a non-factor rushing the ball. I want to say that too. He's definitely going to still have his, he could have 20 to 30 something yards in the game, but I don't, like I said, he had 91 rushing yards last year on seven carries. I, I don't expect him to get close to that. I think if he runs, it's going to be smart. Like um, it's still, it's still weird to think about cam rising sliding. Cause that's just not really his style, but I could very much see him, you know, running out of bounds a little bit sooner than normal because he is just trying to be productive of it a little bit as well, because I, I should say, once again, not 100%, but I easily think he could be 90, 95, or anywhere over 80. And that's the only way. If he's over 80, that's the only way he's even going to be on the field, right? They're going to be smart with his rehab and not want to put him at risk in general. So all stuff that's interesting to monitor and watch. And um, look, we haven't seen Cam Rising come off an ACL tear in terms of his college football career at Utah. But we have seen other college, we have seen other quarterbacks, though specifically at the NFL level, how they've performed in their very first game coming off an ACL tear. And we're going to talk about how those quarterbacks performed in that first game and correlated to what we think of Cam Rising. And we still got to talk about that CW deal that the ACC just struck and how it could affect Utah. And we're talking about all that in just a moment. But first, I want to talk to you guys about our friends at eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay guaranteed fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right. The first time around, just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. So get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay, guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions may apply. And once again, make sure you guys head over to our friends at eBay Motors to get in on those good deals and get the parts you need. All righty, coming back into this one. Let's finish talking about, before we do the CW stuff, let's jump back in the ACL thing. And uh, we're talking about this as well. With And once again, just going back on all this, as I said, I think what a lot of people were reacting to with what Brandon said about Utah, about Cam not being 100% for game one. I think a lot of people overlooked and like, didn't like Cam's going to eventually, I expect him to get back to hundred percent of himself in his form could even happen. You know, sometimes even guys just get that one game under the belt and then they're doing better. It's just very rare. You see guys hit the ground running like that after a major injury like this, it just take, usually takes a couple weeks. That's, and that's what I think it could take for Cam. So 80, 90 and Brandon never even said, I expect Cam rising to play in this game, but I think he's got a very valid point saying Cam won't be 100% and he very well might not be, but Hey, that once again, we're not with Cam in the room. So, there's also a chance he could be. I'm not doubting Cam Rising. I'm just looking at the history of this and how it usually plays out. And speaking of looking at that history, let's talk about these NFL quarterbacks and how they have performed in their very first game because that's not what we're talking about. Once We're talking about the very first game. We're not talking about overall for their career, for the season they're going to have. Let's focus on the first game, right? 
So I got three quarterbacks here, and we're going to talk about how they performed in their first game coming off an ACL tear. And the nice thing is, with the exception of Donovan McNabb, that's right, we're going all the way back to Donovan McNabb for one of these. Um, most of these guys actually dealt with a really similar return because when you talk about Carson Palmer and Robert Griffin III, when they tore their ACLs, it was both in the wild card round which is in January, and usually the wild card round is later than the Rose Bowl would be, which is what Cam did, but their season is also a little bit later as well, so it kind of matches up to that similar recovery timeline we can look into. So, And look, I know the age is a little different as well, but once again, we're more so looking at the correlation between of how did they perform in their first game as to how they normally would perform overall. So for Carson Palmer, for example, when he tore his ACL in January and returned for the season opener in September, he threw 13 of 19 passes for 127 yards, no touchdowns or interceptions. And look, the I believe they played the Steelers that week. The Cardinals won the game. I mean, they, they were the better team in that game. They didn't need a ton from their quarterback, right? Cam is not going to only throw 19 passes against Florida. If he did, then Jaquindon Jackson has put up a Heisman type performance or something crazy happened that allowed um, that like, obviously barring anything crazy happening with a Cam and the re-injuring like that. Like just Cam is not going to only throw 19 passes in this game. It's just not going to happen. So, but once again, as we look at that game, that's not a typical Carson Palmer game. And you guys may look at the rest of Carson Palmer's career and go like, oh yeah, it is. But if you look at the level that Carson Palmer was playing at in his rookie season and then how he looked in his second game back that's where it did not look the, the same level it was leaving out so once again didn't play like his normal self moving on to Robert Griffin III who tore his ACL in the wild card and returned in the season opener for January where he threw 30 of or completed 30 of 49 passes through for 329 yards so a lot of passing yards there for RG3 but two touchdowns and two interceptions and more interesting when we're talking about Cam Rising only had five carries for 24 yards. This is an R, This is RG3 we're talking about, one of the most explosive. When you look at what RG3 did in his rookie seasons, look, there's Lamar Jackson, Justin Fields. There's been a lot more running quarterbacks now, but back in 2012, I and mean, when we talk about quarterbacks who could run, you're talking about the him, the Cam Newtons of the world. Like Those were the runners of the football. So seeing him only have five carries for 24 yards was surprising. That's not just what he, the normal stuff he was able to do. So even though he had himself a day throwing the ball, and once again, you may say 329 yards for RG3, that's that's a lot. But once again, we're talking about RG3 when we compare it to the season before where he was looked like the next great NFL quarterback because his rookie season was spectacular, helped get Washington to the playoffs, as we mentioned, just as a rookie. But those injuries just was never the same guy after that. And look, that's two similarities now with Carson and RG3. They When they came back from their ACL, they weren't the same guy. So that is something that we'll see how that plays out for Cam over the course of the season. Can he get back to the same level he was at? I think those guys, um, more so Carson Palmer, I'd say, than RG3, showed flashes or games or potential of being that same guy, but maybe weren't able to put it all together. So that's where I'm hoping that Cam can be the guy who does put it all together and back, get back to that form. But once again, for the sake of this argument, we're focusing on just the first game. So moving on to Donovan McNabb, the last one, he tore his in week 11, so a little earlier. So, But week 11 in general, that's, that's when you're talking about like late no November, uh, December-ish as well. So this is about a, if we're it's saying about a month, a month, a month extra, which is still a difference, but around a month extra to recover overall. So in his first game back, threw for 184 yards on 15 to 33 with a touchdown interception, and also only had four carries for for nine yards. So once again, just not a normal Donovan McNabb. Nate, when you think of prime Donovan McNabb, you think of over 200 yards passing. Failed to reach that in this game. So. All, all these guys, history would tell us that Cam will more than likely not be 100% or look like the best version of himself in his first game. At the end of the day, we won't know whether or not he's 100%. Kyle Winningham can say one thing. Cam Rising can say one thing. But we will not know because we do not get to – we get to talk to Cam, but Cam gets to tell us whatever he wants, just like right now. And I believe what he's saying, that he's on the right timeline. But 
if he wasn't on a timeline, let's say, and I believe he is, he would be giving us kind of, you know, those stereotypical coaches and players answers that we're like, Oh, like he would say something like, yep, it's, we're in a good place. Maybe something like that. And which is even similar to what he said, but just something along the lines of like, not as definitive. He's made it pretty definitive that he expects to play week one. He's been answered questions like that. And maybe if he wasn't on that track, I think he would answer those a little bit more unsure overall, but that's once again, not what he's done. So I expect Cam to be ready for the first game, but, would he be 100%? I, I don't think so. I just, based on what we've seen from other quarterbacks, how they play, I just don't expect him to take the risks he took versus a Penn State or even versus a USC in the Pac 12 championship game, I'll say, or versus Florida last year. But I also say this saying that I don't think he will be 100%. I don't think Utah needs him to make those same risks because when you talk about the level of then once I like Florida, I think Florida can be a good team. I think they are capable of coming in and beating Utah and Rice Eccles stadium. I don't think they're going to do it though. Obviously Utah is the better team on paper. Every college football ranking site does have Utah higher than them for a reason. Something Brandon mentioned as well. This Utah team has a better roster on paper. Anything can happen over the course of a game, but Utah is favored to win this game for a reason. Just like they were, I believe they were favored last year at Florida still because they still looking at them overall, they are the better team. And if you look at them at the end of the season, Utah versus Florida, who was the better team it was the utah Utes, so that's where it'll be interesting to see if they can prove that they're the better team against florida as everyone expects them to be the better team and that's what we're going to get to see play out and because they should be the better team i don't think they're going to need a herculean effort from cam rising like we saw in the first game against usc in order for utah to get a win in this one overall so it's going to be fun and exciting to see how it all plays out and once again i'm just excited that we only we were only a less than 50 days away from this game getting underway because we've been talking about it once again for so long. And the truth is we're only getting started talking about it on Utes as it uh, inches and gets closer. But once again, not like really offended by what Brandon said, because it is going to be very hard for Cam Rising to be 100% for the Florida game. 80, 90%, all those things on the table will happen. I expect Cam to play, but I don't expect to see the Cam Rising barreling over guys like we've seen kind of in past seasons or even last year in the opener against Florida. But Utah might not need him to do that or should not need him to do that, in my opinion, to win this game overall. So that's going to do it for that talk on this Utah-Florida game. But let's just to something else, and that's that what the ACC did. And the ACC and the CW agreed to a broadcasting deal. And in this broadcasting deal, what they settled on and basically was they agreed to a deal with the CW to broadcast 50 football and basketball games per season through the 2026-27 season. The first broadcast will be Cincinnati versus Pitt on September 9th. So there's a lot to break down there, and it's something that I'm excited to break down in a moment. But first, I want to talk to you guys about our great friends at bird dogs bird dogs make you look good a bird dog stretchy khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg giving you a truly sculpted look bird dog shorts do the exact same thing as lululemon but they fit way better they fit way better than regular shorts because those regular shorts they're made of that stiff restricting cotton that you don't like but bird dogs they fix this issue by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khakis but stretches so you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement bird dogs also use anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long guys ever since i've gotten my pair of bird dogs it's become my short of choice i wear them all the time whether it's recording this podcast going to the movies hanging out with friends walking my dogs just going and doing whatever bird dogs are my short of choice and they can be your short of choice as well because right now you can go to birddogs.com slash locked on college that's locked on college all caps no spaces or enter promo code locked on college at birddogs.com for a free yeti style tumbler with your order that's birddog.com slash locked on college or promo code locked on college for a free yeti style tumbler you won't want to take your bird dogs off we promise you all righty coming back in to briefly talk about this acc and cw uh, agree uh, 
uh, deal for broadcasting overall. Um, what to me, this for what this deal is and what it means, I find it very interesting for Utah and for the Pac 12 in general because, as you will remember, there were lots of there were rumors that the Pac 12 and CW were discussing a deal at the time of that. I was not a fan of it, and I was not a fan because I just think the perception of the Pac 12 was already not great. And I think joining a network like the CW, who I like some CW shows, I do, but is viewed as a lesser network as compared to the Fox, the CBS, all those things. That's not my opinion. I just believe that is what people, I I firmly believe if you ask people like, what are the most prestigious networks to have your games on? All of those would come up before the CW would. So that's why I was more down on the CW. But look, does I don't know what was going to happen with these games for the ACC. I think it's a smart move for them as a conference to try to prioritize and do it. And I also think the ACC's brand's in a little bit of a better place. So I think they can sell this a little easier than I think the Pac-12 could overall. So I, I don't think it's a bad move for the ACC. I just, I, once again, I think the optics for the Pac-12 wouldn't have been great. And I'd still rather have Pac-12 games on streaming, which I know can potentially hurt the viewership because more People have access to the CW than they do to a streaming service you have to pay for. But I just feel like there's something innovative about a streaming service. And once again, just with how like popular an Amazon or an Apple TV are becoming, I still think a lot of people would view those games. I just don't think that's, that's something that would suffer. And, you know, obviously they're still in conversation with ESPN too. So we still have no idea when the media rights deal is going to get done, but I'm not really overreacting to a CW deal. I don't think it's like, oh my God, man, Utah needs to get out of the Pac-12. Does it hurt the Pac-12 in negotiations? I mean, potentially right like it's another team where it's like well you're offering this well we could take this offer and go to the cw and look the cw is only doing 50 games for football and basketball a year they're still going to have excuse me a lot of room for other sports if they choose to so that's where they could still potentially do that i just don't know if the leverage would be as the same so i'm curious how it affects the negotiations but my position hasn't changed i still just the pac-12 football on cw I just think it's a bad look for the conference that has struggled with their image overall. I think the ACC will be okay because they're in a better position for it overall. And I'd also be interested to see what types of ACC games are on the CW2. Is Clemson going to play on the CW? I'm, I'm not sure about that. I think we'll see Clemson on ESPN um, and all the other major kind of places we usually see the ACC football play. I just don't know if they'll see that. And like I said, for me, I would still rather Utah go in another direction and the Pac-12 go in another direction, but I still have confidence in them to get a media re- rights deal done that is fair, but it's definitely slipping away the longer this thing drags on. It's going to be very interesting to see by the time media day rolls around what this all looks like in general. Very last thing I want to talk about really quick is that Greg McElroy on his own college football podcast is very high on Utah. He has Utah at nine in his top 25 preseason rankings, has him above USC, has him above Oregon, a slew of other um, college football teams. And first of all, I think I, I think this is a great placement. I think nine is right in the wheelhouse for where Utah is. If I'm doing my personal ranking, I haven't done like a preseason one yet. I, I think there's a really good chance I might have Utah in the top 10 too, even if not in the top 10, top 15, right? Because I mean, even just look at, and look, I'm the locked on Utes guy, right? Like, what do I know? But what does Greg McElroy know? guy who played college football, I think a pretty good amount. So here's what he was saying about it. He said the one thing holding Utah back to him was I need to know if Cam will be involved in the quarterback run game, which is exactly what we were talking about earlier with what Brandon said, right? Is he going to be the power short yardage guy he's been in the past? My answer to that is potentially, uh, my bad, not potentially, eventually, eventually, potentially, if you want to play a little wordplay there, he's going to be that guy. I just don't think it'll become on early. It'll come on over time. But uh, one guy you do expect to start hard is Jaquindon Jackson. And Greg McElroy said too, after watching the tape, um, this, this guy's legit. He said he's all in on Jaquindon Jackson. And I think he watched Jaquindon last year. Like it doesn't look like a fluke. It's not a fluke. And I am excited to see what Jaquindon can do. I think he's going to explode. He also mentioned that you lose CP three is a little, is a loss obviously, but when you got guys like miles Brattle, JT Broughton, Zamaya Vaughn coming back, who 
excelled last year for this Utah team. That it's not as bad of a loss as it could be. He even shouted out a Nate Ritchie and just talked about how, look, this is a Utah team that they'll replace guys. And he's always like, how are they going to replace this guy? And Kyle Whittingham and his staff always find a way to replace him, which I think is something that's really cool too. Um, and he also talked about too, look, that Utah just being a contender, as I said, um, they're his second overall team only behind Washington, which if you've listened to the show too, you guys know, I think Washington could be really good this year with Michael Bettick. So I think that that is not a bad thing too. Um, if this wasn't such a loaded schedule, because he has Utah, and he even says, like, Utah's a contender to me. If this wasn't such a grueling schedule, if Utah caught a break this year maybe a little bit, maybe the non-conference slate was Florida at home, San Diego State at home or on the road, and then some combination of, like, or maybe let's do, like, a BYU on the road, because I do think Utah is better than BYU this year, and then you get your Weber State and then your normal Pac-12 slate maybe in a normal year and not this year when the conference is loaded with quarterbacks and there's so many teams that won over eight games last year. That's where I think that Utah could be in a great position to potentially make the college football playoff, but their schedule just makes it too difficult this year with how loaded the conference is. But I do think if you put this Utah team in maybe let's say, gosh, I think like the 2019 Utah team, I think there's a chance that this Utah team, if they had the 2019 Utah's team schedule would go into that game against Oregon with a similar position and would maybe even have a chance to beat that Oregon team too and fare better against Utah. Although that 2019 Utah team dealt with the Julian Blackman injury that kind of changed the complexion of that game too. So there's lots of things there, but overall, I just think if you gave this Utah team a more favorable schedule, I, I think they would have a chance to make the college football playoff. But with this schedule, I just, it's going to be hard to not to lose two games. And that's not even with, with including a Pac-12 championship in the mix. So that's where it's going to be a fun and grueling schedule. But it's going to be fun to watch. And it's cool to hear people like Greg McElroy, who played the game at a high level, know the game, analyze the game, go to games weekly at a high level, have this respect for Utah. And I know that's something, too. I'm sure a lot of Florida fans will be in my comments after this video not having that respect for Utah. I talk about how disrespectful I am to Florida or different things of that regard. So this is where it's a nice reminder. Like, hey, Utah's a really good team. Like, listen to the guys who cover the sport at the highest level, and they're going to tell you that. And that's not just because I mentioned this is a Utah podcast, right? It's not just because of that, that I'm really high on this Utah team. It's because of the returning talent and all the special pieces they have. So it's going to be fun to see if they can put it all together. And I agree with everything that Greg McElroy said. And I think nine is a great place to have Utah. And I think you can definitely make an argument that they deserve to be there. I'm totally fine if they're a little far back. As long as Utah's in the top 15, as I've kind of said, that's where I feel like they have to be. But I definitely think when I roll mine out, they might be in the, just in terms of, I'm trying not to look ahead to like be like, well, they're factoring their schedule and like just this roster on paper. I do think it's a top 10 roster in college football with the talent they return and everything. And that's where I think it's totally fair to have them at nine overall. If you guys are interested though in what Greg Macro said, you can make sure you guys head over and listen to exactly what he said. A lot of these things I stated in here were quotes directly from his podcast as well. So make sure you check that out. And also, if you want to hear from yourself how Cam Rising's doing, ESPN 700 had the interview with Cam Rising. So you can listen over there and continue to go support Brandon Olson, right? This is going to be a fun rivalry you have going back and forth over the next couple of weeks where we continue to take these slight little jabs at each other's programs because that's what you do when you have two months sorry 50 days less than 50 days away from building up a game but still the first game of the season is still a long ways off you build up these rivalries and have these kind of discussions so it's fun going back and forth there and uh yeah it's going to be fun to continue to talk about and as i mentioned we are eventually going to have brandon on a do a locked on type crossover thing before the, the week of the game, even in the next couple of weeks, I'll get with Brandon as well. And I think that'll be a lot of fun episodes. So look forward to you guys tuning into that one. Also, hope you guys have a fantastic weekend. And once again, thank you as always for making Locked On Utes your first listen every single day. And like, subscribe, rate, review on Apple Podcasts, whatever it is. Hope you guys have a fantastic weekend. And we'll see you next week. As always, go Utes.